Our Father and our God, thank you this morning for a moment of praise, a manner moment, where we could pause and lean in to what you've done for us. Thank you for your daughters that sang so eloquently, that reminded us of what we are called to do in the momentary time that we have on this old earth. Now, God, as an act of worship, we've come to hear your word. We've come to hear you speak to us. Would you open our eyes and open our ears and breathe on us, sir? Would you give our under-shepherd preaching power, preaching permission, illuminate his heart, and then fill him afresh so that we might hear what the Spirit of God has to say to the church. And in the end thereof, we'll be mindful that it's you who deserves the honor. It's you who deserves the praise. We give it to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen, amen and amen. Thank you, daughters. Thank you, Lady White. Thank you, Pastor Zunaga, for the call to worship. If you have your Bibles with me, beloved, if you will turn them with me to that great gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, where we continue our exegetical walk through the word of God. Luke 12, verse 13. I want to welcome all of you here today on land and online. We are the New Beginnings Church, and we aspire to be an expository teaching and preaching church. That means we believe in preaching in the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time, comma by comma and line by line. And this morning, our work keeps us in Luke 12, verse 13 is where we will begin. If you'll stand with me in the house for the word of God. The scriptures will be on the screen for you as well. Luke 12, 13 is where we'll start. Then one of the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge? or an arbitrator over you. And then he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man it yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops so he said I will do this I will pull down my barns and I'll build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many, you have many goods laid up for many years. Uh -huh. 
Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to borrow a title from a subject I used five years ago. The man, the money, and the mistake. The man, the money, and the mistake. You may be seated. Beloved, there is nothing as crazy in the world as being possessed by money. It's one thing to have the money, but it's another DJ when the money has you. The love of money, the Bible said, is the root of all evil. In other words, loving it will make you insecure. Loving it, Deacon Martin, will make you intolerable to be around. Loving it will also make you insane. The love of money in the text today reveals what's going on in the heart of this certain rich man. See, because of the love of money, he's now got a problem with his own family. Money will tear a family up, won't it? And because of the love of money, he comes to Jesus and tries to get Jesus, or rather tries to manipulate Jesus to help him get some more money. Because of the love of money, this man can't see that money has become his God. Instead of just using money as a tool, which is what it's for, to help you to do good on earth. Money was never designed or developed for you to worship it. I learned in this passage today that whatever you do, Brother Boo, uh, don't let the cash control you. I learned in this passage that whatever you do, don't let the credit cards command you. I learned in this passage that whatever you do, don't let power, prestige, privilege poison your personality. If money is not used in the right way, beloved, it will make you misbehave. And it'll make you forget the God who has a plan for your life. There are three elements in this text I want to wrestle with, and I need your help today. Will y'all help me? Yeah. Let's look at the man's prosperity. Let's look at the man's pronouncement. And we'll land the plane looking at the man's problem. His prosperity, his pronouncement, and his problem. In verse 16, the text says that then mm -hmm. Jesus spoke a parable to them 
saying these words, the ground of a certain rich man, it yielded plentifully. In other words, his business blew up. And he thought within himself, what shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? Beloved, when we come to this first portion of the text, you and I get to see that, first of all, the rich man is more concerned about getting money than he is about hearing the word of God. If you go back to verse 13, you'll see in these first few verses, he wants Jesus to solve his problem, but not to save him from his covetousness. In other words, if Jesus solves the problem with his family and their property, this is still not going to save or, or yeah, solve the problem that he has in his heart. A friend of mine told me the other day, the heart of every problem is the problem in the heart. I just said something right there. What's wrong with you? Ain't that you, you know, need more. The problem is your heart ain't right with God. So when we arrive at verse 16, Jesus uses this opportunity as a teaching moment to expose the idolatry and the greed that's inside of this man's heart. Y'all going to help me? Jesus literally takes the time to introduce the man and the crowd to a new parable. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a what? And the man in this parable is what you and I call a foolish man. This man has some prosperity. The brother has made some money in this life. In fact, he's acquired some property by some shrewd investments, and that's not bad. He's done well with his resources. But the brother has a situation. And the situation is he's not aware that not only does he have some possessions, but his possessions have him. Unfortunately, in his heart, he was being controlled and manipulated by prosperity. Thirdly, we see in the text, he's talking to himself. And he's become his own counselor. <laughs> he's become his own advisor. He's become his own Confidant. Now, ain't nothing wrong with talking to yourself, but when you start taking your own advice, that's a problem there. I lost a few amens right through there. What he doesn't do in the text, Terry, he doesn't ask God what he should do with these resources. He doesn't think about asking the friends of God for their godly advice. He has not even considered sharing his wealth or serving the least of these in the earth who are struggling. 
This man has an abundance, but he never thinks once about sharing or giving it away to help somebody else. And finally, we see that his prosperity, Brother Reuben, has consumed every area of his life. So that now, Brother Ron, he's got no more room for anything else. In other words, his prosperity has all of him. It has every space. It's filled every nook and cranny of his life. Filled his mind. Filled his heart. Filled his hands. Filled his thoughts. Filled his body. Uh, Lady Martin filled his emotions and, and has him captured and possessed. Ran across a story this week of a miserable, rich old man. He went to see his rabbi to help him with his problem. The rabbi brought him in and took him to a huge mirror, a glass rather, and tell me, what do you see out there? The old man looked out and said, I see families hustling and bustling and women and children running in the streets. He said, okay, come here and took him to another big glass. And he said, tell me what do you see? He looked in the glass and he saw his reflection and said, ah, I see myself. The rabbi said, you know, you're looking in glass and both glasses show the same thing. But when you sprinkle one with a little silver, the only thing you can see is yourself. You see, the old man in the story and the foolish man in this text have something in common. All they can see is themselves. In other words, he didn't realize that his prosperity had blinded him from seeing the needs of other folks. And would only let him look at himself. All I'm trying to say, family, right through there, money will change the way you see people. Yes, it will. And if you're not careful with your little prosperity in this life, you'll become just like this man. Unable to see the poor and the needy. Unable to see others because of your own covetousness. Unable to see others because you got a love for money and it's all about you. We've looked at the man's prosperity. But let's look now, Reverend Zuniga, at the man's pronouncement. In verse 18, the Bible says, so he said. Who's talking? The rich man, right? Listen to what he says. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. Y'all read the same Bible I am? Verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Read it with me, y'all. Eat, drink, and, and be merry. Oh, my. This is his pronouncement. When you look at this portion of the text, the rich man is again talking to himself. Lady Wilson, and he's making a pronouncement 
about how large he's living. He's boasting of what he possesses and not what the Lord has allowed him to get. You catch it? He's boasting about what possesses him. And he don't even know he incarcerated by the money he didn't make. According to his boasting, he says, I will pull down my barns and I will build back better. The next thing we see in this text is after his boasting about his wealth, he has found himself in a situation. Somebody say he got a situation. And the situation is that now he got too much stuff. His situation, Brother Tommy, is now he's run out of room. His situation is, Lady McBee, that now he can't contain all the stuff he didn't acquire. His situation is now he can't see helping anybody or departing with his stuff. His situation is that now with all that he has, watch this now, he still got a need. Y'all see it? When he first began, he thought he needed more wealth. And now that he's achieved the wealth that he needed, now he needs more room. And he needs more ease. And he needs more relaxation. And he needs more time to enjoy it all. Here it is. He needs, he needs, he needs, and he needs. Secondly, I noticed that he doesn't give God glory for anything, Sister Rie, that the Lord has allowed him to accomplish. In fact, he ain't even thinking about God, nor about giving God credit for what his business has been able to accomplish. He thinks his business has been about him. Come on, lean in here with me, business owners. Look, he forgot. That the strength to work came from God. He has forgotten, Sister BJ, that God is the one who endowed him with the measure of strength. The intelligence daughter, the eyesight, the foresight, the vision, the good health, the strong mind, the resources, the creativity. It didn't come from him. It came from God. And he's forgotten. Yeah, that God has blessed him like this. He's forgotten that God gave him the breath and the ability to do what he did. He left God out. He forgot that God was the one responsible for his success and that he should give God the praise. He left God out. And most of all, he forgot that with all of his gettings, and his earnings and his possessions, the one thing he didn't own was time. Y'all in here? He forgot the one thing he couldn't buy was time. He forgot the one thing he couldn't control was time. He forgot Armstrong the one thing he couldn't master, build, secure, or order and instruct around was time. And because he forgot, he'd soon be out of time. Here it is. He thought, I got time left. 
I got time to do something for the poor. Right now, it ain't they season. It's my season. He thought he could make time wait on him. He thought because he was prosperous, time was on his side. I feel like preaching today. He thought that wealth plus success equal time. He thought that building projects, resources would allow him to retire and spend time. He, he thought that a good strategy for living was hoarding all your stuff and leaning on what you made during time. He thought there was plenty of space for him inside of time. He thought that because he had some daylight, he had some time. He thought he had the time of his life coming in this world. He thought that if he dreamed it, he could build it. But beloved, he ran out of time. I ran across a psalm this week, Psalm 39, and I love it when the Bible speaks to me. David in Psalm 39 has the proper biblical and theological perspective on what time is. He said in a complaint to God, he was complaining, Lord, you made my days as a breath. In other words, I ain't got enough time. And my age is nothing before you. David understood that an eternal God, yeah, does not give you the time you want. He gives you the time he allots to you. And so David was struggling with what to do with his time. And I think I'll tell you right there, don't you know each minute that God gives to you is a gift. And every minute is a slice of your eternity. So you're living right now in your eternity. So what are you doing with your time? How have you been a steward of your days on this earth? Are you using the gift of time to advance the cause of Christ? Are you using it to enhance your eternal relationship with Jesus? Are you spinning it, popping your collar? All about you trying to satisfy a flesh that's going back to the grave. What a profound commentary, Psalm 39. And what a fool this man was to think he had time to enjoy the God of money. You know what I know? God is a jealous God. He ain't going to give you more time to kick it with the God of your pleasure. I just dropped something right there. What a mistake. What a tragedy. What a fool. We've looked at the man's prosperity. We've looked at the man's pronouncement. Let me land the plane now. Looking at the man's problem. Y'all still in here? Okay, verse 20. The Bible says, but God. Anytime you run across a verse like that, you need to pause. That's a huge shift in the sentence, right? But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is going to be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided since you're talking about how much you made it? Verse 21, and so, Jesus says, and so is he. So is the man or the woman in our world who lays up treasure for themselves. 
and is not rich toward God. Beloved, in this last portion of the text, we see several problems in this man's world. The first one I want to point out is that this rich fool in his mind has been saturated with greed. The second problem in this text is, again, as I mentioned previously, his time problem. Reverend McBee, he's ran out of time and his money can't buy him no more. The third problem in this text is that his soul, did you hear that? Is required of him. I'm off my script for just a moment, but I find it unique that my soul is connected with my time. Okay, let me say it another way. The thing that God breathed into me and made me a living soul, made me different from the alligator and the giraffe and the chimpanzee. I'm in his image. I have a soul. And the little bit of time he's given me to live on earth is to be combined together so that it brings him honor and glory. And I have so much amount of time to please him in on this side. And then I got to give an account. Of what he gave me. The fourth problem I see in this text. Zuniga is. It's time to die. Now that ain't a problem. If you love the Lord. But if you like him. And you don't love the Lord. You got a problem. And his problem is. It's time to die. And he ain't ready. He ain't prepared. Mother Ross. And all of his earthly possessions are now going to belong to somebody else. Here it is. Here it is. Daughter Charlene, somebody else going to be leaning in the Range Rover. Somebody else going to have a house in the bluffs. Somebody else, a boo, going to be counting his inventory. Are you with me here? He, his final problem is he's laid up enough treasure on earth himself but he ain't did nothing for God for all of eternity I don't know I don't know who I'm talking to I can't tell now with these masks in the congregation but I know I'm talking to somebody who has spent 50 years in your life trying to build up something for you and you ain't did nothing for God he didn't use his time for God he didn't use his resources for God's people. What he did, he only did for himself. And now he's got to face the one who gave him life. He's got to face the one who gave him health, wealth, and strength. He's got to face the one who gave him everything and give an account now for all of his earthly accomplishments. Here it is. He's got to see God and fess up about what he did with what God gave him. What a fool. What a tragedy. What a wasted life. You say, but pastor, he had it all. He was living large. No, Matt, it was wasted. Because this is just a drop in the bucket for your eternal time with God. What a waste of his time. And then what will he say to the God? Who knew everything. Mm -hmm. 
Who will he blame for not doing what God had called him to do? Whose fault would it be that he didn't give God time? Can't blame it on pastor. Can't blame it on y'all. He got to face God for himself. Look, the text is so loaded. I like how Jesus closes the parable in verse 21. He said, and so is the one. Or so is he. You can put your name in verse 21 right there. Who lays up treasure for themselves and is not rich. Poor God. In other words, everybody in here got the opportunity to be rich toward God. I just dropped something right there. I said, I just dropped something. Everybody in here that's breathing in old land got the opportunity to be rich toward God. By using what he gave you in this earth. In fact, according to the verse, Jesus is saying that the person on earth who rejects God and is busy laboring for the money and chasing the treasures of this world, you know, the fame, the Instagram likes, uh, uh, the MTV awards, whatever you chasing, you're going to be in trouble when you stand before God. If you spend all your time on earth trying to get rich on a place that's fading. Instead of getting to know God in an intimate way, you are like this man living a fool's paradise. And time ain't on your side. I know this ain't popular preaching in the pandemic. Y'all want me to make you happy? Give you something to go home and shout about? All right. Shout about this. You've been living good for God. And you got a reward. Oh, but if you haven't been. I will shift gears today. Here it is. I heard old coach say I changed my chase. (laughs) Here's what I learned in this verse. Here's what I learned. You can't ever have enough money when you chasing the money. Can y'all lean in here? You you can't ever have enough power when you chasing the power. You can't ever have enough things. When you're chasing things. How many houses do you need? How many cars can you drive? The more you want, the more you need. And the more covetous you become. Here it is, Sister Wilson, love of my life. When your wanter is out of control, your flesh is out of control. When your wanter is out of control, Ah, you are out of control. What the Christian should strive to do and be in this world is content with whatever the Lord gives you. Whatever he brings you to possess, it should be used for his honor and his glory. This man has a problem, y'all. And this problem needs some help, some fixing, some guidance. This man needs to see himself in this parable before it's too late. That's why Jesus is telling it to him. I got to leave you now. But I learned that every problem I face in earth as a man has an answer. But I have to look for it. 
See, it's usually the answer is hidden in the circumstance that I'm facing. It's there for me to find. And God wants to do the mysterious, miraculous work of revealing it to me. But my heart's got to be in the right place for me to see what it is he wants me to do. Here it is. Let me try it this way. If this rich man would have approached his wealth problem in a different way, he could actually see that he's the solution to somebody else's problem. Oh, come on, y'all. When I think about this man, I can learn from his mistake. Uh, I can learn from his problem. Jesus is literally, Reverend Gray, trying to get him to reconsider his covetous lifestyle. That's why he's telling the parable. He's trying to get him to reconsider his love, brother Lorda, for the money. He's trying to get him to reconsider that he's already got more than enough. The fact that your barns is full, I'll tell you. I ain't got no word for this stuff. Let me find somebody now who can use it. But his answer is, mm, I think I'll knock it down. The story is told of a man named Joseph Heller, author of a book called Catch-22. Heller one night was at a party in the Hamptons. And it was a who's who kind of party. Young fella he knew walked over to him and said, hey, check that guy out over there, that young fella, 25-year-old. He said, that man works for one of the biggest hedge funds in the country. He said, that dude made more money last year than you will ever make with all of your books. Hella thought about it for a while. He said, yeah, maybe so. But I bet I got one thing he don't have. And his buddy said, what's that? Hella said, enough. Did you catch it? See, when you have enough, you don't have a problem wanting more. You just got to know when enough is enough. Can I say some more? When you have enough, you don't have a problem forgetting God or leaving God out. When you have enough, you don't have a problem with knowing this stuff belongs to God. Let me use it in a way that honors God. Because <laughs> I got enough. I'm off my script, but I'm feeling some kind of way. Do y'all mind? How many shoes do we need to have, Drea? Because I don't know if I got enough. I only got two feet. I can only wear one pair. And after I match up all my little ensembles for the rest of the week, I still got pairs I ain't wore. When is enough? Enough? Y'all in here? Okay, I'll get off of it. I'm closing now. But Jesus is teaching me in this text. He's teaching us, rather, in his text. That in his coming to earth, 
You know he came to bless others? Yeah. Terry, he had it all. But he left it. Not because he had a problem. I had a problem. I was closing my text dread and I was I was preaching to myself in, in my office and I was like, okay, the man's problem, Jesus' problem, and I'm working. And all of a sudden I heard a voice say, fool, who told you God had a problem? I'm God. I ain't got no problems. How would a problem measure up to me and say, deal with me, God? I said, oh, no, Lord, I was theologically wrong. Let me fix that. God didn't have a problem. Angelus had the problem. And because I had the problem, he left his stuff in glory to come down and fix my broken humanity. I wish I had a witness right around to that. Can I tell you how he fixed it? Stepped out of glory into time. Became poorer than poor. Lived in the dusty streets of Palestine. Walked in a fallen, broken world when he was rich, Brittany. Didn't have to do it. Became poor that I might become rich. Can I tell you what kind of gods you got? Stepped and became man. Who was made a little lower than the angels. Gave sight to the blind. Hearing to the deaf. Cast out devils from those who were oppressed. Can I say some more? Fed the hungry. Fed those who were broken. Healed those with all manner of diseases. Came down to a dirty world only to get dirty. And then to pay for my brokenness. He guess what he did, y'all? Gave up his life. Why? Why? There was no treasure in heaven to pay for the redemption of man. God needed a human sacrifice to deal with a human sin. So God said, gee, God said, make me a body. I'll go down and I'll become human to satisfy the request of glory. And the Lamb of God became a man to come and die for a problem that you had. I'm closing now, but can I show you his price? One Friday night at a hill called Calvary. They stretched him wide and they dropped him low. Took nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, a spear in his side. And for me, he bled and died. Didn't he die? I said, didn't he die? He died and heaven was shook by the world rocked like a drunken man. The earth went into confusion. Hell got happy. The sun refused to shine because never in the history of humanity had God offered himself like this. Died that I might become rich. Paid my sin on an old rugged cross. When he died, he said it's finished. Yeah. Took his body, put him in a borrowed tomb. Yeah. And while he was in another man's tomb. Did you, did you catch that? Yeah. So poor on earth, Terry couldn't have a burial plan. Yeah. Went into the grave. Took the sting out of death. Yeah. Took victory over the grave. Yeah. So that me as broken as 
sinful and ugly as I am would be able to be kissed by his blood, dipped in salvation, and rise early Sunday morning with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. That's the kind of God he is. He's trying to teach the rich man in this text, look, man, don't let the money master you. Look, man, don't let the cash control you. Be the one who gets rich toward God by your living for him in between the dashes of life. I'm through now. Where are you in this pandemic? Where are you? Are you hoarding more than you need? Are you chasing the stuff that somebody else going to have? How rich are you toward God? Here it is. I could ask all of you right now, pull up your bank account. You can hit your app and show me what you got. Okay. What's your bank account in heaven like? Show me your app. What do you have in your savings? What's in your retirement and glory? What do you have in the checking account? If you don't have a heavenly app, you better get one today. The invitation is coming. He's going to show you how to download it. Because you need to know what you're being rich toward God. Some of you are cheating God. I'm through preaching, but I'm pastoring now. Thank you online. Y'all can leave if you want. I'm pastoring now. You've got to give an account for your account in glory. And I pray today that you are giving him some time in your week. I pray today that you are doing something in the name of God for the cause of God to help people get to know God in between the dash. Because if you don't, you got to answer for it. I'm through preaching, but this text arrested me when he said to that man, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. Time was up. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, it's in great fear and humility that we bow in your presence. We hear the solemn warning that you gave to this man and we look and see in the mirror a reflection of ourselves. I want to pray, Lord, for this church that we would be a people who are rich toward God. Lord, next week you're going to tell us, don't worry about this stuff on this earth. You're going to take care of that. But Lord, I want to ask before we even get there, Help us to be rich toward you. Help us to take what you've given us and use it for you. We're sorry we become selfish. 
We're sorry we've only thought about ourselves. We're sorry we've taken our eyes off of you and put it on prosperity. We're sorry for the times we pronounced what we got and didn't give you the glory. We thank you for reminding that you took care of the biggest problem we would ever have. And that was our problem being separated from you. Now teach us, oh God, how to live holy. How to give unto you what is rightfully yours. How to be your people in the midst of a pandemic. What a time, Lord. What a time. What a time. You brought a broken world to a standstill so that your church could stand up and be the light and be the salt. You're giving us opportunities. God, help us not to blow it because we're selfish. We're thinking about ourselves. Let us use this pandemic as the greatest ministry opportunity on the planet to heal, to save, to serve, to love, to care for the least of these. Help us, God. As we come now, we're coming to give an invitation to salvation, an invitation to repent and make things right, an invitation to draw close to you. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One, two, one, two. It's a new year and things ain't clear. In fact, I'm somewhere out of here. I'm all checked out today, P. Cause it's a new little destiny. Mama's gone, Pops is too. This Thanksgiving is rather blue. So I thought I would take the two and write this down just for moon. My heart be heavy, it be blue. I don't know what to do. Yo, cool. You're not here this year. How do I carry on and be sincere? How do I make this last? How do I smile? My heart's sad. How do I do this and keep my head high and keep my mind to the sky? Dear mama, it's so true. This year, I'm cold missing you, missing all the things that you used to do, the things we would laugh and cry about too. Dear mama, I'm missing you, all the things we used to do, everything we hadn't said. I'm missing you, and this year, yeah, oh, things will never be the same. My life has changed because of this pain. Y'all was here too quick, and now you're gone. And lickety split. I'm having to live this new land in the new place, in the new strand. A pain is on my heart. So, how do I say this and make it part? Dear mama, things seem dark. Now that you're not here, hear my heart. Dear mama, I know you had to part. Say, so, oh yeah, I love you to start. Missing you, yes indeed. How do I proceed? Carry a seed. How I keep the S M I L E on my face and think about me. How do I keep my head to the sky and look in the stars and wonder why you had to leave so very soon? I'm looking at things that's not cool. 
And yo, to my pops, you see, I want to thank you all the things you did, G. Thank you for living for me, showing me how to be the M-A-N and hold things in my hand so close so I understand. You was more than a man, P. You was my pastor. That's the real OG. And I love you for all you did for mama and all four or five kids. How you loved us and kept us true, kept us close, near to you. The wisdom, the fame indeed, you poured into me. And now I see life is about living sacrificially, not for the phonies, P. You taught me, yo. Everything I need to know, but my heart is cold and slow. And I'm sad, cause you gone too. Can't wait to see you again though. Ooh. Take care of my mama up there. And make sure that everything is clear. When you get around that throne, D.A.D., tell the Lord I said peace. Peace. these lyrics I'm done with this rhyme I just had to get it off my mind because I was thinking about y'all in time wishing I could see you one more time and drop one line to make things real right and let you know I'm gonna be all right I'm gonna hold my head up and hold it high but I miss y'all hate you had to die but I understand the lyrics are true you came to the end of your race and that's cool Cause I know up in the sky you got your reward. Mm, that's nice. Thank you for all you did. Mom and Daddy, this is one of your kids giving you a shout, giving you love, telling you I need you from all above. Peace. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad. We love you. One, two. One, two. It's a new year and things ain't clear. In fact, I'm somewhere out of here. I'm all checked out today, P. Cause it's a new little destiny. Mama's gone, Pops is too. This Thanksgiving is rather blue. So I thought I would take the two and write this down. Just for moon, my heart be heavy, it be blue. I don't know what to do. Yo, cool. You're not here this year. How do I carry on and be sincere? How do I make this last? How do I smile? My heart's sad. How do I do this and keep my head high and keep my mind to the sky? Dear mama, it's so true. This year, I'm cold missing you. Missing all the things that you used to do. The things we would laugh and cry about too. Dear mama, I'm missing you. All the things we used to do. Everything we hadn't said. I'm missing you. And this year, yeah, oh. Things will never be the same. My life has changed because of this pain. Y'all was here too quick. Now you're gone and lickety split. 
I'm having to live this new land in the new place, in the new strand. A pain is on my heart. So how do I say this and make it part? Dear mama, things seem dark. Now that you're not here, hear my heart. Dear mama, I know you had to part. Say, oh yeah, I love you to start. Missing you, yes indeed. How do I proceed and carry a seed? How do I keep the S-M-I-L-E on my face and think about me? How do I keep my head to the sky and look in the stars and wonder why you had to leave so very soon? I'm looking at things that's not cool. And yo, to my pops, you see, I want to thank you all the things you did, G. Thank you for living for me, showing me how to be the M-A-N and hold things in my hand so close so I understand. You was more than a man, P. You was my pastor. That's the real OG. And I love you for all you did for mama and all four or five kids. How you loved us and kept us true, kept us close, near to you. The wisdom, the fame indeed, you poured into me. And now I see life is about living sacrificially, not for the phonies, P. You taught me, yo, everything I need to know, but my heart is cold and slow. And I'm sad, cause you gone too. Can't wait to see you again, though. Ooh. Take care of my mama up there and make sure that everything is clear. When you get around that throne, D.A.D., tell the Lord I said peace. Peace. these lyrics. I'm done with this rhyme. I just had to get it off my mind. Cause I was thinking about y'all in time. Wishing I could see you one more time and drop one line to make things real right. And let you know I'm gonna be alright. I'm gonna hold my head up and hold it high. But I miss y'all. Hate you had to die. But I understand. The lyrics are true. You came to the end of your race and that's cool. Cause I know up in the sky you got your reward. Mm, that's nice. Thank you for all you did. Mom and Daddy, this is one of your kids giving you a shout, giving you love, telling you I need you from all above. Peace. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad. We love you.